0: Hold up. Today we have adult content creator, political activist, and all of the above, Mr. Chris Cowley with us. How's it going? it's going well how are you <laughs> good 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 thank you so much for joining me on short such on such short notice as well i just messaged you last week to do this and you cleared out your schedule for me so i'm really appreciative of that
1: well I, I'm, I'm not you know super busy these days since i don't have a job. <laughs>
0: so, I mean, who does at this point other than what we're doing now? Like, this is the time where we're able to actually like kind of dive into what we always wanted to dive into because we have nothing else to do.
1: <laughs> so it's a blessing. It's It's been uh, a blessing in some ways, for sure. Um, it's been a very big change in lifestyle, but there have been things that I've been able to do while we've been sort of locked down and quarantined that... I just simply didn't have time to dedicate to before, and uh, it's been therapeutic and it's been very cool. One of them is like cooking, oddly, like I've just like learned to cook so many different things and my boyfriend has just really, really benefited from my culinary skills getting a lot better (laughs) over the last year, (laughs) so that's been really fun.
0: So that's actually one of the questions I wanted to um, talk to you about is how has it been with um, being an adult content creator? How do do you navigate love and a romance life outside of the adult content? So many people find it to be a little little tricky to do. How how are you able to do
1: it? Well, my boyfriend and I have been together for uh, almost seven years at this point. We went into our relationship as an open relationship originally. So the concept of having sexual relationships or um, even emotional relationships outside of our relationship is not something that we're unfamiliar with. So the it's not really, you know, there's no, there's no issue around me having sex with other people. He was very supportive when I was trying to decide whether I wanted to actually make an OnlyFans. I had always sort of hesitated about doing sex work Because it's one of those things that our society sort of stigmatizes to the point where you feel like if you cross that bridge, if you jump off that ledge, it's going to mean something definitive, like, for the rest of your life, you'll never be able to put it behind you You'll never be able to get away with it, uh, get away from it. It's something that will always be out there. And it could be something that would hinder you from doing other things that you want to do in your life. And I think that as a society, we're moving slowly away from that concept, but it's still very much a thing. So that was always why I was hesitant about it. But he was very much like, you know, go for it. He loves the idea of me making money. So there aren't really many things that he would be against me doing if I'm bringing money into our household as well.
0: Definitely. And it, it, it definitely speaks to the grind and the hustle of um, sex work and that entire industry that goes unnoticed because of those negative stigmas um, and people's opinion that gets swirled around, especially in political spaces where decisions, important decisions are made. Um, and so I definitely that's an important thing to talk about. Um, I do want to ask you, though, like, when did you um, actually start creating um, OnlyFans content? Like, when did you get the account? Was it um, around the time of everyone else last year around the pandemic or were you um, on it a little earlier?
1: I was on it a little earlier. Okay. I um, I know that a lot of people were motivated to jump onto it because of, you know, lack of employment or underemployment during the pandemic. I actually had been on it for almost a year before that. It was, uh, I believe, March of 2019 when I first started doing it or it might have been a little earlier i i I started i you know i started just sort of like posting random stuff and i kind of went up and down with it i would like not post anything for a while or uh just like be disengaged with it and it was it wasn't until i think like march 2019 when i did one of my first like bigger collabs with somebody who had a much larger audience than me so that was like one of the first times that I actually saw like a big bump in the earning potential for the platform and started to expand my audience a lot more and get a lot more Twitter followers and all that stuff so that was like when it actually kind of took off a little bit for me Okay, that makes sense. I definitely, because I, I want to
0: say, I followed you for years. I've been a follower for years. And so I do remember you being on there. I want to say prior to, you know, like I said, the big pandemic rush that happened in 2020. Um, so you are definitely one of the old faithfuls. But were, did you see a big jump when the pandemic hit? Was it more competitive on the market? Or did you see even more potential to gain even more money?
1: Well, I mean... For me, once the pandemic hit, that was actually a hindrance to me as far as like what I think my earning potential could have been because I was, you know, building more and more of an audience and was actually trying to do more collaborative stuff with other OnlyFans performers. And once the pandemic hit, it was like, well, I don't feel safe, you know, traveling to this place. I don't feel safe. Uh, having sex with people that are outside of my bubble. So for me, like I, I continued to make solo content, but I think I would have probably been able to expand my audience a lot more if I had been one of those people who sort of just kept doing the normal thing. And, you know, there were a lot of OnlyFans performers who kept being out there and kept doing collaborations and were flying here and there and South America and everything and I'm not trying to shade anybody because you know people people have to make their coin for me personally it was a issue of social and sort of moral responsibility that I felt for myself that I didn't want to do that I didn't want to put myself at risk I didn't want to feel like I was potentially putting other people at risk so uh, I, I turned down a lot of collaborations actually during the pandemic I think that the, the market definitely I think it was already coming up you know I think I think maybe the pandemic accelerated the number of people who were really uh, using the platform a lot but it was really headed that way already it was one of those things that was that for the last few years has been gradually uh, more and more normalized among especially like gay the gay male community you know, I remember, I remember a time, well, most of my life, when if you were a sex worker, if you had done porn, it was something that was really stigmatizing and there wasn't uh, necessarily a very large community within, like, the gay male community of people who would still respect you, you know? It was always, like, one of those things where it's like, oh, well, you know, she did those films or whatever. And I think that there's actually... A much larger uh, segment of the gay male social scene now that considers that acceptable and doesn't look down on people for having done uh, sex work it's sort of normalized and and accepted a little bit more I think yeah and there's so I- many there's so many people who are doing it that they have their own community as well so they don't need they don't necessarily need so much for everyone else to to respect them there's enough of a a community there that that everyone feels uh like it's okay and that they can just kind of do their thing and i mean you know i think our society in general needs to normalize the idea that sex work is work because i mean the money that i make is just as spends the same as the money somebody else makes right definitely Definitely. And everyone needs money to circulate. And
0: everyone, uh, Wendy Williams says this all the time, but she says everybody couldn't go to Harvard. You know what I mean? Like everybody still, everybody still has to do what they have to do to make the world go round. And I think that sex work just in general is a great example of that. I want to touch on something that you mentioned just a minute ago, because you obviously are one of the more honest or one of the most honest um adult content creators when it comes to OnlyFans, especially in our uh market which is the san francisco bay area market you're definitely a well-known guy um and no one obviously has had um, come out with scandals of you scamming them for money and things of that nature but we have artists that are now doing something that uh, could be called gay baiting queer baiting or the old school gay for pay syndrome where yeah. essentially they are dangling the carrot Um, And it's a marketing ploy pretty much to reel in a particular audience by giving them what they think they're going to get in content that they end up spending their hard-earned American money, money on that doesn't contain the content that they requested, but now their money is gone and now they can't get any refunds the reason why i bring this topic up is because this is an issue specifically in our community the lgbtq community um they we have had straight performers like um flashman wade and um this guy this i don't i don't know if he's newer but a guy by the name of grandy glaze um along with old school rico strong who have um guaranteed content and um had people kind of dm them accessing them from something and instead of having integrity and saying hey I don't have or I don't provide that type of content, they take the money, give them a very, very low quality slash not there at all um, video that's upwards of $250 or more. And so why do you, from your insight um, particularly, where do you think this practice started and why do you think it continues to start? We also have celebrities that do it as well.
1: Well, gay for pay is not a new thing, so as long as there's been gay porn there's been straight men who have participated in it and uh i mean men are the primary consumers of pornography and sex work as far as i know i mean more women actually consume pornography and sex work than we're sort of led to believe but i do still think statistically that men are the primary the majority of consumers of pornography and sex work and men want sex work from women and men want sex work from men so there's uh there's always been a market for it i don't have like a huge problem with the gay for pay thing or what some of those influencers do i think they're just I mean if I was more unscrupulous if I, d- I then maybe I would do shit like that you know like l- give people shitty quality content or like run those sorts of things that I consider to be kind of scammy but the thing is there there are people out there who will pay for it and there are female sex workers who do the same things there are celebrities who do that too I think that we sort of all people who pay attention to the culture, I think, sort of are all conscious that this is a thing. So I feel like at this point, if you want to subscribe to Flashman Wade's OnlyFans, I don't know what your expectations would be other than exactly what you're going to get. (laughs) You know, I think that uh, it's pretty obvious that there are different people who monetize their uh, their, you know whatever level of fame they have whatever influence they have in different ways and not all of it is going to be what I would consider like completely above board but like at the end of the day like they're still cashing out that money and I don't really hate on hate on people's hustle I, I know what I feel comfortable doing I know what I feel comfortable presenting. I have a natural inclination to not want people to think that I'm an untrustworthy or like a, a, you know, sort of like shady, uh, disingenuous, distrust. You know, like I don't want people to think of me that way. So that's how I approach pretty much everything I do, perhaps to my detriment, because obviously like I could be making more money if I, did certain things with my OnlyFans that other people do and you know I've looked I I look at that stuff and I look at the amount of money that people make who do a lot more of that type of stuff and they make a shit ton more money than me like 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 don't get it twisted like OnlyFans is like a cute side coin for me but I'm not like I'm not like I'm not, like I'm not gonna buy a house like Flashman Wade or like I'm not buying my dad like a, a like a, a giant SUV or whatever. Like I'm not making that kind of money, but if but I could maybe if I was a little bit more unscrupulous in how I conduct myself. But it's just not my style. I consider it an extension of my. Uh, creativity to a certain extent I consider I went to I was a film student so when I make my videos like especially the um, collaborative videos I do you know if I'm just like doing a solo thing it might not be as high production or whatever but when I do like you know videos where I collab with other people like I really want them to have a certain quality to them and it's really about my standard of how I want it to be. And personally, I think I could charge way more than I do for the quality of some of my content, you know, but this is just how I got into it, how I started. I might up my price someday, depending on like, you know, how much, how, how successful it is and how many people are engaged. And, but for right now, I'm like comfortable having it where, where it is. Definitely. Well, I, well, it, it goes without saying that if
0: you have not subscribed to Chris Kelly's only fans it's definitely worth more than he charges i just i just want to throw that out there for Thank those who, <laughs> who have not seen or experienced this this is this is actually worth much more so like it's not just blowing a smoke up his own ass like this is i appreciate that i appreciate good that stuff. um i do want to talk a little bit about collaboration since you just brought it up a lot of um collaborate collaborators or influencers are um adult content creators have um, come out and talked about like disagreements or lack of agreements really that they've had with other um, OnlyFans content creators where uh, the film that they produce is on one of the creators um, pages, but not the other. So one of them is only monetizing, but not the other. Can you kind of walk us through if there's should be, or is there like some sort of business structure, even basic when it comes to collaborating with other creators when it comes to
1: monetization? Well, I know that people do it in many different ways, and I think there's a lot of layers to that conversation and how it all gets worked out. For me personally, I look at it as we collab on something, we make a video, we both have the video, and then we promote it on our separate platforms and it'll do what it's going to do for you and it'll do what it's going to do for me. Uh, coming from the perspective of somebody who was like getting into it and trying to build an audience, for me, working with somebody who had a much bigger audience than me felt like uh, there was value in that. I saw value in being able to have that exposure. Yeah. So it wasn't it didn't, for me it didn't feel like i needed to ask for something more than that i know that there are people who for example i, I know that i've seen raheem you know Rahim. i'm sure i've seen raheem do things where he'll collaborate with someone and that person will have the video on their only fans page for like the first week before he releases it on his So that's a form of, you know, sort of directing people to that person's page if they want to see that video. And I think that's fine. I think that if that's how you want to negotiate how to do it, I think that's totally cool. Um, Somebody uh, on Twitter actually kind of recently brought up the concept of sort of insisting that larger uh, content creators with a bigger platform should pay people to collaborate with them. And I think it's an interesting concept. It's you know, it's rooted in the idea of sort of like sex worker solidarity that we're all sort of out here and we should support one another when, in various ways when we have the uh, capacity to because we're sort of existing out on the margins. And I don't disagree with that concept. I think that there is valid- validity in that I think for me, it's not really. For me, I'm not in a position where I'm making so much money that me with like my 38,000 Twitter followers would be like, oh, let me pay you, somebody with 15,000 Twitter followers, to work with me. Like, I just don't see it for me because of the position that I'm in. But if I was making as much money as some of these really large, uh, accounts to some of these people with you know like hundreds and maybe thousands of OnlyFans subscriptions and they're making tons and tons of money and you know don't get it twisted there are people who make an uh, insane amount of money oh yeah of this. you know there are people who make 40,000 50,000 60,000 dollars a month like yeah. off of this platform and I don't disagree with the concept that maybe they should put some of that money back into the sex worker community. And maybe some of them do. It's, it's not like, it's not necessarily my job to police what they're going to do with their money. And, and I can, you know, have my opinion of someone based on what they do, how they give back and all that different stuff. I think it's a very individual process to work out how you're going to do the money. And for me, it was just easiest thing was for me to say we have this product in the video that we made together each of us owns the product right and it's going to reap whatever benefits for either of us i always promote everyone that i do a collab with on my twitter Mm. and i continue to promote them if i've if i've done a collab with somebody i will forever like retweet stuff and tag them and like just keep them like sort of in the cycle of like my little Twitter world you know yeah but I will say I don't like to do uh that sort of like retweet for retweet game that people oh yeah play. it's just not my style I have a sort of erotic need to have my like page be a certain aesthetic when you go look at it and that Love aesthetic it. is like me <laughs> in the product right. that i'm presenting and i don't really like I, I just don't want to be one of those twitter pages that's just like all porn promo and other people's only fans promo and all that stuff it's like it's my you come to my page and you see me and right. page, all i want to give No, definitely. And I
0: think that, I think that makes the most sense ultimately when it comes to, and that's actually a great place where I wanted to go next is as an adult content creator. How does one kind of create their online or social persona? Like, how do you, what's the process of creating that thing that you're going to brand that eventually makes you money? Like, did you have a process when you became one at first?
1: Sort of, but I was I joined Instagram like pretty much when it when it started. I joined Instagram when it started. I'm I'm old enough that, Back in
0: 2012. Uh,
1: yes. 2012. <laughs> you know, I'm old enough that I'm old enough that like my my social media life uh, goes all the way back to basically the beginning of when social media was a thing. And so my entire like persona as somebody who exists on the internet is something that's actually evolved for a very long time and is all sort of connected. So it's not like when I decided to do OnlyFans, I was like, now I have to create this new internet persona. I had already bu- been building something for many, many years from like being a, somebody on Facebook to having an Instagram account um to starting a twitter um so it was very much connected to sort of the brand that i'd already been building on instagram primarily because i I sort of keep my facebook like i don't i don't do any of my like sex work stuff on facebook just because like i have family on there and like it's not that we all do (laughs) it's not that i like wouldn't you know, like, if my if my parents had a problem with me doing sex work, like, that would be their problem and not mine. But I don't think that even my parents would sacrifice their relationship with me to, because they're, like, mad that I, like, do porn, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so, like, but it's just something that I don't really want to, like, I keep my things separate so that I have a space where that's not what I'm promoting. And you know how people's perceptions... That's healthy. People people perceive you differently depending on that type of stuff too. So it's like you know on Facebook I like to try and like be a little bit more intellectual, political, um, engaged on stuff. And there's definitely a stigma out there that like if you are somebody who does or does sex work that you're stupid or your opinions are not valid you know there's so much of that that still exists in our society so that's why I do keep my Facebook as like a space free of like promoting any of that stuff um but that was just sorry a tangent and aside um but on Instagram I had already sort of like built this brand of like being you know kind of like thirst trappy and showing my butt and my bulge and all that stuff. And like, it's funny because back when I first started doing that stuff, uh, m- me and my friends are old enough that like back when we, first, back when I first started doing that stuff, my friend, even my friends were like a little bit scandalized. They were like, they're like, Christian, you're on Facebook with your shirt off. Like, you know, it's like, like uh, it's so just, taboo. Things, things have changed so much in such a short time. You know, the whole, the concept of thirst trapping didn't exist at that time so it was just like it was sort of scandalous to be doing that stuff on the internet right so like since i had that brand already sort of built up from instagram it was just sort of i just sort of transferred it over to twitter where i could promote like more explicit content so i didn't really have to change uh my persona in any way although i will say on twitter like if i Post something like the majority of the time, if I post something other than my dick or my butt, it just flops. So, <laughs> like, you, you know, like, you, you've seen the market now. Like, and it, and it kind of works that way, I guess. You know, I mean, like, Twitter wants me to just be the like sex worker only fans person, and other platforms is where I get to sort of express different parts of my personality. I would love it if my sex work platform could be a little bit more engaged with like stuff I have to say that isn't strictly about sex work or isn't or isn't promoting my um, my OnlyFans stuff. But you know, you sort of when you do this, you sort of see what people want from you, and people also like will create a persona about what who they think you are and yeah and what I did with Twitter and OnlyFans is I sort of just leaned into what it seems people were kind of creating about me you know mostly around like my sexual role and like my like sort of like sexual energy and personality and it's not like it's that far off from how I actually am I mean I'm a top and I like topping and that's like pretty much <laughs> my sexual that's thing. That's, that's pretty much what I portray. But, you know, I think uh, with, with sex work and like especially pornography, we're still very trapped in these um, these like roles, these very specific roles. There's always controversy about like, you know, real tops and, and who's doing this and who's doing that. And, you know, once people started responding to me is like, so oh, I'm like daddy, that type of stuff. I just it's just promotion, it's just marketing. So once I started to get that energy, and I even got that energy at first on Instagram with people, you know, calling me Zaddy and Daddy, which is like something I was not used to or would not have necessarily ascribed to myself at that time. <laughs> but, right, right. but it it's people liked it. So you kind of just like it for me, I just kind of went with the flow of what it seemed like people were responding to and how they were sort of creating narratives about me and just give the people what they want you know really definitely.
0: definitely and again i i i think you do that quite well i think what you are definitely one of the better examples of creating or figuring out the market seeing what people are looking for and kind of um going after that I do want to ask you something. Many people have believed that there's a lot of money in the homosexual community because of the circulation of the gay baiting and, and the dangling of the carrot. Why do you think our community kind of goes, gets gets targeted in that manner? Like, are our pockets really that deep? And why do you think that is? I find that to be a little interesting that we're so willing to pay.
1: Um, I mean, I think, statistically there is there is uh evidence that gay men in particular uh tend to have more uh what's the word when you just have more money to you have extra money you you know a lot of gay men don't have the uh financial burden of children they just tend to spend which that makes a huge difference right not having i mean children are incredibly expensive and and not having that is a huge difference in your in your financial lifestyle for a lot of people so i think it's not incorrect that perhaps like there's more money in the like gay male community to spend on stuff like that i think that I mean, you know, gay male cultures uh, can be a little bit indulgent. And there's also, you know, there's, there's reasons for that that are a response to how we're treated by society. And so maybe we're more likely to spend money on certain types of indulgences that other people wouldn't like I want to see flashman wade's like ass so, so you and
0: i think everyone else like i think yeah, everyone I,
1: mean, else. I mean i'm not gonna pretend that like i i don't follow or i'm not intrigued or i'm not titillated by you know a lot of these people who do that on the internet like you know i i got i got tiktok basically so i could go look at the um what was that challenge like is it the silhouette small, challenge? Small, small waist pretty face with a big bank. Oh, yeah. <laughs> challenge. Like I basically downloaded TikTok so I could go look at dudes with big butts like doing that challenge.
0: I don't even know men like that were created until these platforms. I was like, right. I don't I mean, see that around my parts.
1: I don't know. I don't know what they're feeding like these these young people now, but like right. the bodies, the bodies. Like it's like and it's it's so fun it's so fascinating to me as somebody as a little bit of an older person it's just like I can't imagine what it would have been like for me if this was what I could go on the internet and see <laughs> I was like 19 20 21 and I'm not saying that there wasn't stuff for me to see it was just different the internet no. was not as like developed as it is now there was plenty of like gay stuff to titillate me on the internet but it wasn't like really hot like boys in like Minnesota with a TikTok account, like shaking their butts. <laughs> right. it, wasn't, it wasn't that. <laughs> Do you remember,
0: I don't know, I don't know if this was your era or not, but I remember when I was coming up, the cool thing that guys did, but never talked about was that they all had like a DVD porno, like somewhere. In a shoebox in the closet, like that was a thing. Like I remember, guys would like guys would do that and like wouldn't tell anybody, but everyone had one. I don't know where they were buying them from. No one ever put me into the plug, but like I remember, girls like girlfriends from school were telling me like, "Yeah, so and so had one, and so and so had one." So I was like, "Again, DVD porn is old school, so I know that no one's doing that anymore." But I just remember that to be a crazy phase. Is that just like my era? <laughs>
1: No, I mean it's it's more my era because I mean DVDs were uh, I mean well I, at first they were video cassettes. <laughs> so, I mean That's the first
0: throwback.
1: The, the first porns that I ever watched were definitely on VHS tapes, <laughs> uh, but once DVD porn came around, boy did that change the game. Right, I, I certainly got my hands on a lot of them. A lot. <laughs> 'cause it it was just so much easier you, you could, they were so much easier they were everywhere there were so many of them you could like and if you went into like a sex shop they would have like just they would have like a bin of like dollar $1. ninety nine ones you know <laughs> like yes! it's like there was just so much of it it was an explosion.
0: Definitely, I used to work. I used to work. Fun fact: I used to work for a um, adult store in San Leandro, right across the street from Bay Fair. You know, you know. Um, I used to work there many years ago, and I saw things that I can't unsee. <laughs> needless to say, for sure. Um, and I learned there ultimately, though, not to kink shame, just because I learned about things that I never even could even register to be a thing (laughs) and not, and I was just because I was ignorant. Like I just didn't even know, I didn't even have anything to judge it off of. I was just like, oh, okay. This is what you're looking for. I don't have that, but I'm sure somebody on the internet does.
1: (laughs) Well, I was always always very interested in pornography from like, you know, whatever, like 14, a normal age on onward. So I was always like, trying to learn about stuff. I also like, I lived, I grew up in, I wouldn't say that my uh, my upbringing was very like sexually repressed. I had issues about being gay because, you know, everyone has issues about being gay because it's hard to be gay. <laughs> but as far as like sex, sex and sexuality, like I was pretty comfortable, like going and exploring stuff. And even although I didn't have like that much sexual experience actually until I was an older teenager, but I at least knew about it. It was something I felt comfortable talking about. Um, I have a gay uncle who is sort of my mentor and he was very, uh, and he was very like, you know, instrumental in helping me to create a dialogue around sex and being open about talking about sex, even when I wasn't having sex, just like being able to have the the vocabulary and the agency to understand those things and talk about them. When I was 15, I volunteered at the Berkeley Free Clinic uh, with the Gay Men's Health Collective doing STI testing and treatment. So it was just very, very normalized for me to have a very, very, I'm trying to think of the word, just like I mean when you're that young and you like can look at a STI under a microscope Mm. and like know what STI it is and diagnose it it's just you just sex is there's it becomes something that is not so mystified and also the like shame around it like just has to disappear because you can't I mean, people get SCIs and they need to be treated for them. So there's no room for you to have like judgment and shame about people having sex because you're in an environment where you're providing a service that acknowledges that people have sex. Yeah. It's a real thing. Lots of people do it. (laughs) Literally. And they do it in all types of ways. Definitely.
0: And you just can't. No I just I wanna I, one thing that I one thing that I think will be great for you as if I just I just know your life right one <laughs> thing though I think would be um really useful with your platform is ultimately kind of aiding those who are new or wanting to experiment with it just because I believe that the wheels of the game are changing almost monthly or yearly when it comes to this. Um, you know, prior to OnlyFans, we still, deal- prior to OnlyFans, we had, like, Tumblr, and we had, of course, Twitter. <laughs> we had little things like that, but now we have actual platforms that people are able to monetize. And so I think that's something that you would be really good at, actually showing the ropes on how, because these are things you know. Even with integrity and things, you know how people can get most the most out of that. And that is something that you could be able to, um, of course, make it to a business as well and make it more, you um, um,
1: Yes, monetize. Like, a, like an only like a OnlyFans tutorial <laughs> behind I think a paywall?
0: So. I think so, yeah. just because there's so many wrong ways of starting, and there's so many people wanting to do it but are scared to, a little like myself, just because I, I personally don't know what I would offer anybody. I just don't know. But I think a lot of people don't really know where their strengths lie. And being someone who do know where their strengths lie, that would be like like an OnlyFans agency. Like, like, I think, like, that would be a great, Because first of all, agents, I'm learning this even with entertainment hosting, agents are a great middleman, and no one talks about that market, but that is a lucrative market. It, it's, it's, it's multiple it's a
1: lucrative market.
0: Yeah, like I, like, I don't know why too many people don't aspire to be an agent. Like, you meet it's everybody. Sorry.
1: <laughs> it's all very it's there's a lot of like mystery around the, those types that type of level of like how people exist in entertainment and in, in the industry. Like to me, it's a like a weird concept that like you need someone to like m- get you the jobs and like introduce you to people and do all that stuff. It's sort of a nebulous world that I don't really understand, but people make a shit fuck ton of money off it. <laughs> it's so obvious. Yeah. Obviously, there's. for myself, it's like, I feel like I'm still just learning. You know, I don't feel like I have this, like, incredible wealth of knowledge about how to work it the best that I would be able to sort of, like, impart that much that would be worth charging people for. But also, I mean, as we said before, it's like I'm probably undercharged for my OnlyFans, too. It's just, like, not my personality, it's to be like quite so like, this is probably why I'm not as rich as all those other people. I'm just like, I, I don't think of it. in like, how can I just like maximize everything and like squeeze every last bit of money out of like everyone in, but that those are entrepreneurs. Those are people <laughs> who like do their own business. At this point, I just feel like I'm still learning and it's not that I would never want to do something like that. I just feel like I'm still like creating my platform. The pandemic really sort of like stopped me in my tracks as far as like where I was planning to try and take this. I was going to, you know, I, I got promoted at work. So I was like going to be making a little bit more money uh, as, as a bar manager. And then I was going to basically just like take a weekend once a month and like travel somewhere go do a collab, go do another collab. I was basically going to like try and just make 2020 the year of like really growing my OnlyFans business and seeing like just how much money I could actually make off of the platform. And the pandemic kind of like stopped that and put it on pause. So I'm hoping that once things get back to a little bit more normal, that I can sort of like jump back into that plan and see how far i can take it and if i can grow it then i think i'll feel a little bit more like i know what i'm doing (laughs) but if anyone reaches out to me and some people do reach out to me to ask me for advice about how to start one or or what's the best method to to do it i always give people advice i give people free advice all the time i think it's very individual the one thing I always tell people is that I think the most important thing is that you have followers or you have an audience on some platform or another, because that's just what translates into subscriptions. If you, if you have a thousand followers on Instagram and you have 700 followers on Twitter, I just don't know where you're going to be able to get your stuff shared to a wide enough audience that it's going to translate into monetizing it in a way that would be worth it i mean the thing is what is worth it for some people if you make an extra hundred dollars a month for some people like that might be worth it yeah And if you don't have a and if you don't have sigmas i think where a lot of people get tripped up is they're like is it worth it for me to do this thing where I might be stigmatized in the future for only this amount of money? Like there are people who, if I told them how much money I make off of OnlyFans, they would probably be like, so like you're doing all of that. And you're only making that much money. Like that's why is that worth it to you? But I pay my rent every month with OnlyFans. And to me, that's worth it. That's a huge, that's a huge weight off my shoulders in San Francisco, In San Francisco. <laughs> and if I made 10 times that, that would be great. But I'm somebody who has experienced, you know, being, uh, you know, there was a time I lived in New York where I really did not have a lot of money. I was just really, really broke. And living in a state of uh, sort of anxiety, because you don't know how you're going to, pay your rent you don't know how you're going to buy food you think that you can't walk into I don't know a store and buy yourself something that you want at any point in your life because you just are counting every single fucking penny if you can take that weight off your shoulder to me that's worth that's worth it just by itself yeah like doing sex work just to be able to feel comfortable and live Versus like flying on private jets across the world. I mean, you know, you have to decide what worth it means to you. Right. So I think, but back to what I was saying is I think building an audience is probably the most important part because you need. You need to be able to get your stuff shared. You need a big enough audience to see it. So that's what that, that's my one piece of advice. To everybody is like grow your audience on whatever platform TikTok is probably the most useful one because that algorithm like goes so fucking hard. People, people go, people go from like building their accounts to having like, Tens of thousands of followers in like a couple of weeks, like that algorithm is crazy. I haven't even tried to figure it out because it's it's I'm too old. I'm too old for TikTok. No, I, honestly, honestly, TikTok it pissed is. me off when it first
0: came around, only because I felt like we had too many social media networks already. Like we had too many,
1: and they do. We do, we do that have started. too many. You're not wrong. We have so, too many. I was
0: like, now I have to like actually like choreograph a dance with a song and make it funny like I don't make shit funny like,
1: yeah. that's not me. I think that I can be funny but I don't think that people want to see me doing dance challenges you know? <laughs> I just don't think people want to see that and uh, if I could figure out something that would really work for me on TikTok and people have suggested I do some of those videos where you like explain a concept or break down some sort of political thing or social thing or cultural thing and I've thought about doing that. I might experiment with that, but I'm, uh, I'm not in such a rush <laughs> to get on TikTok. Well, thank you so much
0: for joining me here on James's Kickback. I thank you for allowing me to get through all of these questions. I had so many things that I wanted to dig into and you gave me some great insight and you gave all of us some great insight. Is there anything that's coming up for you that you wanna plug here? um that we should know about again your uh, if nothing else your only fans page should definitely be supported i believe this is uh for a great cause and great content um if you um are into specifics he gives specifics and then he also gives um things that are a little more widespread so i've become
1: your new spokesperson i uh, really really appreciate it um no i don't necessarily have anything to plug i mean like just uh, i suggest everyone look at my twitter um because there's a lot of free content on there to see what kind of stuff you will see on my OnlyFans, and i think i give a pretty good representation and uh i yeah, I just, everyone go to my Twitter and all my links are basically, I link everything. So if you go to my Twitter, you will find links to my only to my OnlyFans. You'll find links to my Instagram. You'll find links to music that I make. I do lots of different things so just go explore
0: (laughs) that's awesome that's awesome and so wrapping up here at james's kickback thank you all so much for joining me i am now going to rip up all of my eyelashes and eat them one by one so until next time i love peace and chicken grease
1: take care (laughs) thank you good night hold up